Section 20 of Good Sense. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Good Sense by Paul Henri Thierry, Baron Dolbach. Translator Unknown. Section 20, Parts 201 through 206. 201. Theology has always diverted philosophy from its right path. Theology, from the remotest antiquity to the present time, has had the exclusive privilege of directing philosophy. What assistance has been derived from its labors? It changed philosophy into an unintelligible jargon, calculated to render uncertain the clearest truths. It has converted the art of reasoning into a jargon of words. It has carried the human mind into the airy regions of metaphysics, and there employed it in vainly fathoming an obscure abyss. Instead of physical and simple causes, this transformed philosophy has substituted supernatural, or rather occult, causes. It has explained phenomena difficult to be conceived by agents still more inconceivable. It has filled language with words, void of sense, incapable of accounting for things, better calculated to obscure than enlighten, and which seems invented expressly to discourage man, to guard him against the powers of his mind, to make him mistrust the principles of reason and evidence, and to raise an insurmountable barrier between him and truth. 202. Theology Explains Nothing were we to believe the partisans of religion, nothing could be explained without it. Nature would be a perpetual enigma, and man would be incapable of understanding himself. But what does this religion in reality explain? The more we examine it, the more we are convinced that its theological notions are fit only to confuse our ideas. They change everything into mystery. They explain difficult things by things that are impossible. Is it a satisfactory explanation of phenomena to attribute them to unknown agents, to invisible powers, to immaterial causes? Does the human mind receive much light by referring to the depths of the treasures of divine wisdom, to which, we are repeatedly told, it is vain to extend our rash inquiries? Can the divine nature, of which we have no conception, enable us to conceive the nature of man? Ask a Christian, what is the origin of the world? He will answer that God created it. What is God? He cannot tell. What is it to create? He knows not. What is the cause of pestilence, famine, wars, droughts, inundations, and earthquakes. The anger of God. What remedies can be applied to these calamities? Prayers, sacrifices, processions, offerings, and ceremonies are, it is said, the true means of disarming celestial fury. But why is heaven enraged? Because men are wicked. Why are men wicked? because their nature is corrupt. 
What is the cause of this corruption? It is, says the theologian, because the first man, beguiled by the first woman, ate an apple which God had forbidden him to touch. Who beguiled this woman into such folly? The devil. Who made the devil? God. But why did God make this devil destined to pervert mankind? This is unknown. It is a mystery which the deity alone is acquainted with. It is now universally acknowledged that the earth turns around the sun. Centuries ago this opinion was blasphemy, as being irreconcilable with the sacred books which every Christian reveres as inspired by the deity himself. Notwithstanding divine revelation, astronomers now depend rather upon evidence than upon the testimony of their inspired books. What is the hidden principle of the motions of the human body? The soul. What is a soul? A spirit. What is a spirit? A substance which has neither form, nor color, nor extension, nor parts. How can we form any idea of such a substance? How can it move a body? That is not known. It is a mystery. Have beasts souls? But do they not act, feel, and think in a manner very similar to man? Mere illusion. By what right do you deprive beasts of a soul which you attribute to man, though you know nothing at all about it? Because the souls of beasts would embarrass our theologians, who are satisfied with the power of terrifying and damning the immaterial souls of men, and are not so much interested in damning those of beasts. Such are the puerile solutions which philosophy, always in the leading strings of theology, was obliged to invent in order to explain the problems of the physical and moral world. 203. Theology has always fettered morality and retarded progress. How many evasions have been used, both in ancient and modern times, in order to avoid an engagement with the ministers of the gods, who have never been the tyrants of thought? How many hypotheses and shifts were such men as Descartes, Malebranche, and Leibniz forced to invent, in order to reconcile their discoveries with the fables and mistakes which religion had consecrated. In what guarded phrases have the greatest philosophers expressed themselves, even at the risk of being absurd, inconsistent, or unintelligible, whenever their ideas did not accord with the principles of theology? Priests have been always attentive to extinguish systems which opposed their interest. Theology was ever the bed of Procrustes, to be adapted to which the limbs of travelers, if too long were cut off, and if too short were lengthened. Can any sensible man, delighted with the sciences and attached to the welfare of his fellow creatures, reflect, without vexation and anguish, how many profound, laborious, and subtle brains have been for ages foolishly occupied in the study of absurdities? 
what a treasure of knowledge might have been diffused by many celebrated thinkers if instead of engaging in the impertinent disputes of vain theology they had devoted their attention to intelligible objects really important to mankind half the efforts which religious opinions have cost genius and half the wealth which frivolous forms of worship have cost nations would have sufficed to instruct them perfectly in morality politics natural philosophy medicine agriculture etc superstition generally absorbs the attention admiration and treasures of the people their religion costs them very dear but they have neither knowledge virtue nor happiness for their money 204 theology has always fettered morality and retarded progress some ancient and modern philosophers have been bold enough to assume experience and reason for their guides and to shake off the chains of superstition democritus epicurus and other greeks presumed to tear away the veil of prejudice and to deliver philosophy from theological shackles but their systems too simple too sensible and too free from the marvelous for imaginations enamored with chimeras were obliged to yield to the fabulous conjectures of such men as plato and socrates among the moderns hobbes spinoza bale etc have followed the steps of epicurus but their doctrine has found very few followers in a world still intoxicated with fables to listen to reason in every age it has been dangerous to depart from prejudices discoveries of every kind have been prohibited all that enlightened men could do was to speak ambiguously hence they often confounded falsehood with truth several had a double doctrine one public and the other secret the key of the latter being lost their true sentiments have often become unintelligible and consequently useless how could modern philosophers who under pain of cruel persecution were commanded to renounce reason and to subject it to faith that is to the authority of priests how i say could men thus bound give free scope to their genius improve reason and accelerate the progress of the human mind it was with fear and trembling that even the greatest men obtained a glimpse of truth rarely had they the courage to announce it and those who did were terribly punished with religion it has ever been unlawful to think or to combat the prejudices of which man is everywhere the victim and the dupe 205 religion is an extravagance and a calamity every man sufficiently intrepid to announce truths to the world is sure of incurring the hatred of the ministers of religion who loudly call to their aid secular powers and want the assistance of laws to support both their arguments and their gods their clamors expose too evidently the weakness of their cause none call for aid but those who feel distressed in religion 
man is not permitted to err. In general, those who err are pitied, and some kindness is shown to persons who discover new truths. But when religion is thought to be interested either in the errors or the discoveries, a holy zeal is kindled, the populace become frantic, and nations are in an uproar. Can anything be more afflicting than to see public and private felicity depending upon a feudal system which is destitute if principles, founded only on a distempered imagination, and incapable of presenting anything but words void of sense? In what consists the so much boasted utility of a religion which nobody can comprehend, which continually torments those who are weak enough to meddle with it, which is incapable of rendering men better, and which often makes them consider it meritorious to be unjust and wicked? Is there a folly more deplorable and more justly to be combated than that which far from doing any service to the human race only makes them blind, delirious, and miserable by depriving them of truth, the sole cure for their wretchedness? 206. Religion prevents us from seeing the true causes of misfortunes. Religion has ever filled the mind of man with darkness and kept him in ignorance of his real duties and true interests. It is only by dispelling the clouds and phantoms of religion that we shall discover truth, reason, and morality. Religion diverts us from the causes of evils, and from the remedies which nature prescribes. Far from curing, it only aggravates, multiplies, and perpetuates them. Let us observe with the celebrated Lord Bolingbroke that theology is the box of Pandora, and if it is impossible to shut it, it is at least useful to inform men that this fatal box is open. The End End of Section 20 Recording by Roger Moline End of Good Sense Without God or Free Thoughts Opposed to Supernatural Ideas by Paul-Henri Thierry, Baron Dolbach Translator Unknown